Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. We had a little fight so we can use and break, and I said, okay. Little time apart wouldn't hurt, and I said, honey, take your time. Said you were going out of town with the girls for the weekend. Somewhere sunny with wide open spaces where you could ride. Last thing you said, you were headed for somewhere in Texas. That's been two months now and I ain't seen or heard from you Where'd you go, baby?
everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Chad Bush now without a style. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you both doing? Hello, Nicole. Hello, um, Nicole, and hello, Gregory. Hello, Carl. You know, I like that tune and a lot of stuff going on. And all the, yeah. Again, it reminds me of um, more like 70s, 80s country, right? It's kind of freshened up with that little uh, alternative uh, squashed down vocal in the chorus. Yeah, but I, which reminds yeah. me of something kind of cool. Um, when I was doing my first demos back in, the, I guess, the late 70s, the guy who owned the studio was friends with Richard Cannata, who used to be a sax player in the Billy Joel band. So I remember sitting with Richard going, you know, The Stranger just came out. I go, yeah, I really like that new album, you know. I know I think really broke it. And he goes, what? He didn't know me from Adam. I go, it's that like in moving out that heart attack, gack, 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 you know, thing. And, <laughs> and he, he looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm saying, no, you know, the Rex the record's good, you know, because Piano Man had already come out. It really wasn't a big hit really prior to this. And, the, you know, Turnstiles had come out. All those songs weren't really big yet, you know. They all got big after the fact, after The Stranger broke with, like, you know, Just the Way right. You Are was the big, you know, crushing tune. But before that one was Moving Out was the first song of that record. And I still think it was the Cadillac. And he looked at me like I was... People love those. He looked like I was crazy. They earworms, right? Well, they, they love they love a stuttering like ch 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 changes, you know, like people, <laughs> right. people like stuttering, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I you you can pick pick it up on a lot of different releases, you know. Particularly, I think through the fifties, sixties, seventies. Friend of mine put a post up one time. He said uh, they said what's what's your favorite or what's the most important song written in you know in the last one hundred years? And he put on there the bird. You know, do you know that song, the the bird, bird, the bird is yeah, a bird. Right, 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 right. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> hilarious. You know, all they're doing is ma 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 ma. You know, so so, so before we start today, you know, is a the anniversary of I think probably one of the most one or two most important moments in rock history. Ah, Carl's rock history. No, we 50, haven't done this in a while. Fifty nine years ago today, the Beatles played on Ed Sullivan. Wow. So to me, that's, you know, it, it might have been Elvis on Ed Sullivan, might have been the pinnacle or the start, but the Beatles and Ed Sullivan kind of changed music at that point. I think, yeah, I think it changed popular culture for sure. Right, yeah, There's more no than question. even just music, just popular culture. The Beatles, and, and yeah. that's when, it, like, the whole, the shit at the fan, man. On, on this, yeah. And you know what's funny? I, this is a true story. I lived in Long Island, I was a little kid. My grandmother um, lived in Queens still, so every, like, Sunday, we'd go pick her up and bring her back to, um, you know, Long Island for Sunday dinner, right? Because she didn't drive. That day, we had a white Valiant, the car. Nice, I remember this. Nice car. I'm in the back seat. We're coming home. Remember the streets, Scranton Avenue and Limbrook. We had a head-on collision. My grandmother goes through the windshield. I'm in the back seat. I'm on the floor. Turns out <sighs> she was she was all right. But I watched the Beatles I had Sullivan in the emergency room of um, South Nassau Hospital. Wow. 59 years ago. Yeah, so the Beatles, yeah, I was a little kid. So the Beatles, like, you know, they, they entered my life with a bang. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you Literally and figuratively. Literally, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm watching TV. And I'm in the waiting room, you know, we'll say I think my grandmother's going to die. And she didn't, yeah. you know, but yeah. not then. Amazing. Anyway. You know, I think that uh, I, I've got a lot of emotion. It's been an emotional morning for me because uh, I don't know if you guys 
picked it up off of the uh, internet or the Bert wire. Uh, Burt Bacharach. Right, exactly. Point. Another, yeah. another weird thing. And, sure. you know, I was thinking I, w- I put on uh, Reach Out, which is one of his iconic albums, and I was listening to it this morning. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, and I don't like for this podcast to become a rant on you know, uh, how good things were in the past and how they are messed up now. But, uh, you know, (laughs) exactly, (laughs) absolutely. But, you know, Burt Bacharach was writing songs and creating uh, in an era where his talent and genius was recognized. He was given a television program, much like, you know, much like... uh, a variety show that you would have seen on one of the networks, Ed Sullivan. So you could launch movements and you could have a huge impact on culture, on popular culture as an artist back then because the audience was centralized. The audience is completely fractured now, and I don't know how anybody does it. I don't know how you get they had the a lot of great of shows back then. Johnny Cash show, Glenn Campbell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they used to let all these artists die. What's with Barbara Mandrell, you know? You know, I mean, I mean, basically, Burt Bacharach created the soundtrack for the 60s, right. you know, uh, or he at gave, least part he, of it. He gave Dionne Warwick a career. <laughs> and the 70s, and, you know, he slowed down in the 80s, but uh, just extraordinary. I mean, he had over 70 hits, didn't 70 do, number one didn't hits. Didn't he have a whole slew of songs with, he wrote with Elvis Costello for a while, too. Yeah, I mean, that was in the 90s, yeah. I mean, uh, but then then he was just being recognized for, you know, his ability to do collaborations, and you're right. I mean, he basically, uh, he gave Dionne Warwick her uh, her career, or at least I think the, the quality portion of it, right, with the songs. He was like a celebrity songwriter back, yeah. you know, oh, he was a celebrity songwriter like, you know, back in the back day. In- <laughs> you know, he, he, I remember he dated Angie Dickinson, who was a famous actress back then. He was like a celebrity, Burke Bacharach. Oh, absolutely. He was married to uh, the policewoman there. Angie, Angie Dickinson. Dickinson. Oh, he married Angie Dickinson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of my favorite Burt Bacharach stories is just a tiny little story, but it just is indicative of uh, who Burt Bacharach was and who our friend is. So we have a mutual friend that engineered your record that you came to Nashville to make, uh, Scott Baggett. Well, Scott was fairly renowned for making publishing company music demos here in town throughout, well, for the last 30 years, he's been renowned for doing that. Right. And one day out of the blue, his phone rings. He's not there to get it. He's in a session, but the voice on the other end of the phone says, Hey, Scott, this is Burt Bacharach uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I got your name from, you know, somebody. And he says, um, I'm interested in doing some Nashville-sounding demos, so <laughs> could you call me back, please? So, And the funny, the subscript of the story is that Scott played that voicemail for, like, years for people that would come into the studio. He's like, Burt Bacharach is on my voicemail. But did he ever make the demo? <laughs> I think he did, actually. I think he made some demos for Burt. Uh, Burt was, you know, kind of considering it like kind of publishing company activity. I don't know if Burt right. ever played on any of them or anything. But, yeah, it's just really fun. I mean, he kept that. He's probably still got it. When Burt Bacharach calls, baby. 
That's right. You do and it. You, you, make the, you make the donuts. Yeah, that, so, that's right. Well, I heard you had some uh, bones to pick, uh, Nicole. Uh, not really bones, but it kind of leads into what Greg was saying before about like how music was centralized back in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s and how it's decentralized now. Right. Um, but one of the biggest nights for music happened this week, which was the Grammys. I'll play that wah, wah, wah again. <laughs> My word. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is the viewership was way up. Really? Oh, yeah. It was up like 30%. But I didn't even watch it. So you, well, you watch it? No, because what happened? No. What happened was we're so um, we're so up on music. No, I, I knew it was happening, but one, we don't have cable, so it's trying to figure out how to stream the thing, and then two, oh, no. I just had no interest in like seeing what was going on. Like I knew I could go online and find the winners, and you know, such, news outlets would be updating it. So to me, it was no point. Music show we are. I know, but like it got me thinking, like. Back in the day, Uh-oh. I just remember like being so excited. Like it was Grammy Sunday. The Oscars are happening. Like I'm going right, to sit right. down for hours and watch the red carpet. And I'm going to watch the entire three hour thing, even though it could all be cut down to an hour if everyone just, you know, did the things they were supposed to do and watch <laughs> watch the awards and be happy for these people. And I just couldn't. Well, I think I think the Internet ruined that because what it is is nowadays, why waste your time spending six hours watching these stupid shows? When you can watch the next day, the clips you want to watch, all in 20 minutes, get all the highlights, you don't have to waste your time. So it's no more, there's no more events anymore. Well, yeah. once again, once again, when, when the audience was centralized, you know, right, it, right. it became a thing. And I no think, more too, there's no real surprises anymore. Like, everyone knew Beyonce was going to win a bunch of awards. Everyone was rooting for Bonnie Taylor Bonnie Raitland, Song of the Year. How'd that yes, happen? Yes, that, that was a surprise. <laughs> that probably was the biggest surprise. I guess the end of the night, when Harry Styles won whatever their biggest award of the night is, people booed him. He made a remark that, you know, people like us normally don't win these kind of awards. And and there's this whole big uproar saying, what do you mean people like us? What? How are you different than every person in that room? Yeah. Well, that's well, bizarre. But, but, but why is it a big deal? So why? I think he meant like just, you know, I don't know what he meant, but they, 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 <laughs> made, they made a big thing about it as if he's saying, what, good looking white kids? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Privileged. People, yeah, privileged white, good-looking white kids who win contests. Like, what, what do you I mean? Born just, on third base and I, think he I, hit a triple. I almost take that as he probably didn't think he was going to win, considering he was up against like Beyonce and right, Taylor Swift exactly. and whatnot. So when he did win, I think his comment was just like, given the category of I talent that he was up against. That's but, where but, like people but, like him don't win against but that. The woke policemen, they oh. got to get on everything. Oh my! Well, what are you talking about? I personally exactly. was so. And this is, I think Beyonce is great, not saying anything bad about her. But I think people took it to another level, booing him as he's accepting this award, which had nothing to do with him. Like, he didn't vote for it because they said Beyonce should have won. And you could hear in the background people screaming, this is this is crap, you know what? Beyonce should have happening. won. Like, it happened at the State of the Union as well. There's no more civility anymore. People are just, like, rowdy. They don't care. There's no more consideration. That's Pe- what makes me not want to watch these things, Yeah. So. It Tough. confirms that I didn't not watching it was the right move. Well, the people that work in the industry block vote, so you know that that is a thing as well. So, uh, every, basically, people in the business and people that are part of the uh, 
academy recognize that okay well they're going to get this one and they're going to get this one she's going to get 15 so let's give him this because that will cancel out right you know the 14th that she got i saw an interview from howard stern with sting just last week talking about and he asked him what do you you know you've won grammys what do you think he goes to be honest man he goes it's fun to win you know but they're pointless, you know. He even said it. They're used. They mean nothing. They they they're like stupid popularity contests based on some ridiculous. None of these things really mean anything. They they're just right. stupid, self-aggrandizing. I don't know what they are, but like you know, yeah, I sure I'd love to win an Oscar, but in reality, what does it really mean? Well, when people were curious back when back when the you know when the audience was centralized, when people were curious about what it is you do, it was important to say, okay, well, this is a Grammy award-winning recording because that's, you know, people would give you a shot if uh, they thought that, you know, it was a successful record in the genre, but that doesn't exist anymore either. I mean, people just find what they find through word of mouth or through TikTok or Mm -hmm. However, they discover right. it, and like the accolades they don't particularly really don't care matter. whether or not exactly, and they're they not, and they're not care. really all all encompassing because there's so much great stuff out there that um, yep. it's not even nominated that they don't even they don't even like listen to. Yeah, or I read know a, about, I read so. an article this week uh, about our good old friend Spotify and about what it takes to be in the top one thousand acts on Spotify and streaming. And essentially, it takes 7.8 million listeners per month in order to be in the top 1,000 acts. Now, people like the Beatles are in that 7 to 10 to 15 to 20 million listener per month category. People like Sheeran, Beyonce, and Bad Bad Bunny... Those people are in the hundreds of millions of listeners per month. And it's just, it's shocking to me. Maybe it's generational. I, maybe at the end of the day, it's just generational. Well, you've also got a generation of kids who have so much on demand that they just literally have a constant stream of stuff going. So no, I was going to say, I think the stats are wrong. I think the stats are misleading. I think if you, it's about people who follow Bad Bunny. So I might follow Bad Bunny, but I might never listen to what he does. But I'm up on his stream as one of his 1.8 billion people who do it. So once I click on it, I never have to even play a Bad Bunny song, but I'm in his monthly followers. So that's how they gauge yeah. this stuff. So I don't think these. I don't know. I don't know I'm what their methodology is. I don't think is, these but, numbers yeah. are are really honest. I think they're just. But they missed. can calculate the number of streams certainly from you know from. Yeah, but it, 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 it's not in their best interest to actually do so because then they got to pay out right. more. So who knows what they're doing? Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like I I didn't watch it, haven't watched an award show in probably ten years used to go to them all the time and they were more of a pain in the butt to be there than they were to you know to actually watch them on television at home so on that note you want to talk play some more music by uh, chad yeah so we have another single by chad called fallen in love with you but before we listen to that why don't we get to know his management company which is core pr this episode features an artist from core public relations Core Public Relations is a Los Angeles and Nashville-based public relations and marketing firm 
They represent clients working in entertainment, health and wellness, politics, and fashion. With social media strategies, as well as tried and true public relations tactics, they consistently deliver powerful and effective campaigns to ensure client success. To learn more, go to corepr.com. That is K-O-R-E-P-R.com. And find a girl so beautiful Make me get down on one knee And ask her to be my partner forever Big expensive diamond ring Girl, there's something about you my eyes can only see Lord above is saying you're the one for me Of things in this crazy world Struck out a few times, you know Girl, when it comes to being your loving man These things come so natural Never thought I'd ever feel like this Girl, you've got something my heart can't resist That one made me hungry. <laughs> uh, he's eating apple pie. He's eating candy. Hope it doesn't take any offense, but that conjured up a name I haven't thought of in decades. Ronnie Millsap. Did, do you get that? Oh, man, I don't know why anybody would take offense to that. Right, exactly. Ronnie Millsap but, was a, 
That's what he I, was. He was an icon. That's for what I, that's what a I remember. Lot of years. You never know. Maybe yeah. that's actually who inspired yeah. him. So. Yep. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, didn't we? Um, we did. We asked him our questions of the week. All right. So the first question that we asked Chad is to tell us a little bit about himself. Hi, my name's Chad Bushnell, and I'm a country singer from Red Bluff, California. I've opened for Chris Christopherson, Dwight Yoakam, Neil McCoy, and many others throughout the years. My first Christian country single, What Would Jesus Do, hit number one on the Christian Music Weekly charts. And I was just featured on my first uh, show called North State Roots by Kix PBS. Uh, throughout the years, I've been able to win some great awards. I was the top three finalist in the American Country Star Contest in Nashville. I was Contemporary Country Vocalist of the Year at the Jersey Music Awards for 2020 in Pigeon Forge. And I was the first place winner at the Inspirational Country Showdown in Yuba City for 2018. Uh, you might have caught a glimpse of me on TV shows such as 700 Club and Universal Huntress. Uh, when I'm not at home working as a farrier, I'm out performing shows throughout Northern California, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and even Nashville and Texas most recently. In my free time, I enjoy hunting and fishing and spending time with my family and uh, doing other things like that. So uh, check out my music on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, all that good stuff. Go give me a follow on TikTok at Chad Bushnell Music, Instagram, Facebook. And I thank you guys all for listening today. Really appreciate it. So out of all of that, I want to know, what's a farrier? Uh, so we're working with horses with their hooves. Oh, you know what that is, really? And, well, yeah, you, you and, come from Kentucky. Uh, yeah, that's right. kind of a real cowboy thing. Uh, and uh, the um, you know the the thing that struck me about what he was talking about was you know how we got to know him. He's like a very traditional path, which which I think is cool for country artists. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, kind of you know like you do the opening gigs. You keep uh, work-life balance and your music career in in the proper uh, perspective. Uh, you take a look at some awards along the way. I think it's a, a really solid way to approach doing music. Why don't we hear who inspired Chad Bushnell's career so far? So Dwight Yoakam and Vince Gill are two of my favorite country singers, and I have so much respect for them as artists because of how unique they are. You know, they have such a distinct sound. You know who it is when you listen to them. You know, Dwight Yoakam sort of has the cowpunk country rock sound, you know, influenced by Bakersfield and uh, Elvis Presley, who's one of my all-time favorite singers, obviously. And, and so uh, Dwight Yoakam's, you know, my hero. Of course, Vince Gill, he's such an amazing singer, amazing guitar player, songwriter. You know, I could go on and on about Vince. And, uh, you know, I just that's who I look up to as, as artists. You know, I want to be like them and, and have my own distinct sound is what I'm working on and develop that. You know, I also really like Merle Haggard. And I, you know, I could go on and on. Alan Jackson, George Strait have played a, a you know, big part in my music career, and uh, so you know, make sure you go check all of them out. And you know, any artist who's trying to make it in the music business, really focus on trying to develop your own sound. And uh, so, thank you guys for your time today. He's right. You got to develop your own sound. His influences are more old school influences. Mm-hmm. He's not like uh, right, which is why his sound is probably way more old school than the right. country that's coming out today. Which is good. Yeah. So what are we doing? So do we, did we talk enough about anything? I actually think we talked a decent amount about the music industry this week, just the fact that we don't like the award shows. So I guess with nothing else left to say... I think um, it's time for us to get on out of this episode. 
Just get do, on out. They do it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T W E N C Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.